0: Been handing out a lot of fist bumps today and I got my uh, runny nose rags and I got my water and we're going to try to make it through this today We're in our second uh, Sermon of our series the thrill of hope and uh I brought some pictures today and I want you to tell me what you notice from these pictures These just random pictures. I got off the internet. What do you notice about this picture? It's not real clear, but what do you notice? Happy Anybody else? Diversity, somebody said that in the, in the first service. Happity, hap-happity. I am on a lot of drugs today. Um, <clears throat> happiness and diversity, next one. What do you notice? Same thing, diversity, happiness, right? Give me another one. What do you notice? Diversity, happiness. You know what all three of those have in common? Adoption. Every one of these pictures is a family. That has adopted someone. Uh, most of y'all, I don't know if y'all know this. How, by the way, how many of you in here are adopted? All right, we got one, two. Raise your hand, Matt Trim. I'm about to talk about you. <clears throat> so we got at least three, four. All right. Uh, <clears throat> Matt's family, Matt's my my son-in-law and Matt is one of seven children adopted in his family Now there's ten total children. They had three biologicals and then they adopted seven more and they're not all biologicals He's got a couple of biologicals um, in the adoption process but uh, I, was, I was texting Matt about this yesterday, and, and I was asking him you know, what it was like to be adopted because he has a heart. They've talked about having children of their own but also adopting. Um, one of my nephews is adopted. I dated a girl in college that was adopted. And, and so when I think about Matt's parents, uh, Willard and Susan Trim. They have this tremendous capacity, not just to love their own children, their biologicals, but to, to pass that on to others. Seven more, I mean, come on, that's, that's awesome. I was talking to her one time about Haiti, and she said, I could never go to Haiti because I'd bring all those children back with me to the United States. She just has this tremendous capacity to love. And if, if you've ever been around someone who has adopted children, you know that they have this special ability to love people. And so, my question to you today is Is it possible, like, let's take Willard and Susan Trim, seven adopted kids, is it possible that they have a greater capacity to love than God Himself? No. We actually believe we as christians believe that god is love and any capacity we have for love comes from him So let me give you an example Okay way back when I was like eighth or ninth grade going to youth camp There was no such thing as christian music I'm about to introduce you to what we used as christian music in that day All right, so this was like if I was in eighth grade, then it was in 1978 or somewhere in that time I'm at youth camp in Salem springs, arkansas and christian music consisted of one guy on the stage and they would play some music in the back and he would sing right he would have a microphone he would sing and this was a big guy and so he would sit on a stool he would sing so he taught us this and i'm going to teach it to you or, or quote it from the king james version because that's all there was back in 78 right so here's the verse that that we believe as christ followers that that says god is love all right it goes like this beloved let us love one another for love is of god and everyone that loveth is born of god and love knoweth god he that loveth not that's the best part So, all right, you got, I'm not kidding, 2,000 teenagers. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Again, beloved. And we would just do this over and over because that's all the Christian music there was. But I've never forgotten this verse that, that if you love, you're like God. If you don't love, you're not like God. It all comes from him. And so I want to talk to you today about that. We're going to look at um, a passage of scripture. I mentioned it last week. Galatians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 4, and we're going to look at several verses. But I want to tell you about the the writer. The writer of this, this letter was Paul the apostle, and he wrote this around somewhere between 48 to 52 A.D. All right, so so think about this 15 to 20 years after jesus was crucified 55 years after jesus was born somewhere in that area Is when he wrote this letter to a bunch of christians in the area of galatia now, no one disputes when it was written. We know it's somewhere between 48 and 52. The reason we know that is because Nero was the emperor in Rome, and Nero was a bad dude. He, he crucified Christians. Uh, I've said this before, but just for sport, he would use Christians on a cross. He would light them on fire to, to illuminate his garden parties. This is how bad a guy he was. And we know that Nero was still alive at this time because tradition tells us that Nero beheaded Paul for his faith. We don't know that paul was beheaded by nero, but but what was going on nero was this crazy guy and he wanted more land for his palace So he starts the great fire of rome um, and he starts it right around his palace, and, and, and he makes sure that it's all wiped out because he's going to take over that and expand his palace because he wants a bigger palace. Well, he blames that fire on Christians, and this huge persecution against Christians broke out. And, and so, so, so we don't know if it was Nero or somebody that, that was very close to Nero who had Paul killed for his faith. Now the reason i'm telling you all this is because paul's about to tell us his version of the christmas story And he's sitting here 15 to 20 years after jesus birth and he's thinking back to his time When he met with the apostles now, there's a good chance We don't know this for sure that paul met mary the mother of jesus We don't know that for sure, but we do know that he spent a lot of time with the apostles uh, peter James all of these guys, but especially a guy named john and if you remember when jesus was on the cross He looked at john and he said behold your mother. So he's pointing at his mom Jesus mom mary. He said you're going to take care of her for the rest of her life and we know that john did that So they told paul this christmas story He wasn't around to to see it because he was persecuting the 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 christians later in his life So he gets this story from them and he's contemplating this and he writes down his version of the christmas story And he's going to tell us the significance of that story. So here it is in galatians 4 beginning in verse 4 But when the set time who set the time God did When the set time god had it marked on his calendar before the beginning of the world He knew that this was going to be the time all of the conditions were right And if you study history, you'll understand It was when the romans were in power. It's when there were highways good highways You could go all over the known world koine greek was the was the language of the day and and everybody spoke that language so at just the right time the time that that God marked on his calendar Jesus was born now the enemy of God did not know when it was so if you read the Old Testament You'll see the enemy of God fighting tooth and nail to make sure that the Savior the Messiah never comes But God knows and on that day it says when the set time had come had fully come God sent his son born of a woman born under the law now. Don't miss these two phrases This is the key to what we're going to look at today Born of a woman means he was fully human when I was growing up in church when we were singing the King James version of the Bible I heard him say God-man, and I didn't know what that meant, but now I do. It means, it means he was fully God, fully man at the same time. Born of a woman is a big deal. He wasn't born of an earthly father because we know from the Christmas story that the Holy Spirit, Mary says, how can this be? And and, and the angel says, God's Spirit will do this in you. So he's born of a woman, fully human, but not a, not an earthly dad. It was his heavenly dad. And then born under the law. This is huge because all people who are born of women are born under the law how many of you have been born of a woman Just checking to see if you know you're one of those right. We're all born under the law now This is a big deal and I want to show you why <clears throat> John the, the one who took care of mary the rest of her life after jesus was crucified wrote these words in first john chapter 4 Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. If you remember back to the, the Supernatural series, we talked about there are, there are angels, spirit beings who work for God. There are spirit beings we call demons that work for the enemy of God. The, the ones who work for God, they want to do good in your life. They want to help you. They want to announce things. Um, they want to help you through things. The ones who work for the enemy of God want to destroy you. Jesus said that they, they, the, the enemy of God wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So we know this. So, so here's what John says. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And here it is. He tells you how. This is how you can recognize the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit of God. Every spirit, that's a lowercase, that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Born of a woman, born under the law. There are many religions that say, no, 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 he wasn't born of a woman. They have all these different things. But the qualification is he has to be born of a woman, only a woman, a virgin woman, and born under the law. Every spirit that does not acknowledge jesus is not from god This is the spirit of the antichrist which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world so we're supposed to test these spirits and the test is Jesus was born of a woman born under the law now When when those of us who grew up in the church when we hear well jesus was born of a virgin We're like, yeah We know that jesus was accountable in the old testament to the covenants god had already made in the old uh, covenant That's just second nature to us But for paul someone who persecuted the church. He was the most religious person He had the greatest religious teacher Gamaliel of that day the jewish teacher He was the number one student of the number one teacher and he was religious to a fault and he persecuted people for following christ So for paul to say the son of god entered into a human womb Was born of a woman born under a law that is Remarkable and now he gets to the significance for you and me in the next verse He was born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law Those is you those is me. How many of you were born of a woman? You're born under the law. So I want you to look at at someone say that's me Oh, like Everybody look at somebody and say that's me Look at somebody else and say that's you the those that's all of us born under the law Now jesus was born accountable to the law and he is the only one according to scripture who is a law keeper If he's the only law keeper, what does that make you and me law breakers law breakers Now I don't think in this crowd anyone would argue that you've broken the law of god We might argue though i'm going to tell you that not only you have you broken god's laws you break your laws all the time your own laws that you make up. So let me say this and then I'll tell you why. We make laws and break laws all the time. That's on your listening guys. We make laws, break laws all the time. I'm gonna give you an example. January 1 is coming up. And what do people do every year? They make New Year's resolutions. So I got on the internet and I, I looked up what was the number one resolution from 2019. And if you were just guessing what was the number one resolution, what do you think it was? lose weight slash get in shape. So we're going to say it this way. People made up their own fitness laws. Fitness laws. There it is. Have you ever broken one of your own fitness laws? I'm not talking about somebody else says you need to get in shape. You said, I need to get in shape. I'm going to start on this day. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, right? How long do you think it takes the average American every year, this is the number one every year, to break their own fitness laws? One day, some of you, don't. are like, yeah, I can testify. So when I was reading, it said 30 days. Most people, three out of four, do not make it 30 days with their own fitness laws. And then they said only eight out of 100. So 92 people fail after a year's time. I saw you jogging on the loop the other day, yesterday, Brad, so, and I know Heather does. So they, they're two of the eight. I don't know who the other six are in this room, but it's not me, right? Broken our own fitness laws. The second, what do you think the second resolution is every year? Save money, that's it. So we're going to call it financial laws. We want to be better at finances. How many of you have broken your own finance laws? Uh Uh-huh. Third was friendships, or we're going to call it relationship laws. Ooh, nobody's going to raise their hand. How many of you have broken your own relationship laws? I'll never date someone like that again. Dude, I was trying not to look at you. You, 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 but you made a noise, I had to look at you. Okay, so, so it's safe to say everybody in here has broken at least one of fitness, financial relationship laws that you've made for yourself. That would make you a what, a law breaker. But let's go on, how many of you broken a parenting law? My parents did this, I'll never do that. My favorite conversations. Or when Caleb texts me or calls me and he said, I just pulled a Doug Washburn. I said, you're welcome. <laughs> I love it when he calls me and says it. My kids talk about that all the time. How many of you have ever broken a uh, marriage law? Now, your own. <laughs> or have you broken a law that your spouse has for you? <laughs> yeah, that wasn't so fun, was it? What's the last one? Honest. Honest. Nobody in the first service raised their hand on this one. Have you ever said, I'll not do that, and then you did it? See, we know right from wrong, but that doesn't keep us from doing wrong, does it? We are, everybody agree, we are law breakers. We break God's law all the time. We break our own laws all the time. Now, when you're a law breaker, anytime you break a law, you create a debt-debtor relationship With the person who created the law this is just common sense the person who created the law you break it they say you owe me let me give you an example i've heard i've heard that if you break the speed limit i wouldn't know this for personally i've heard that if you break the speed limit that some random law enforcer will speed up behind you and announce to everyone around you that you have broken a law A few weeks ago, Janie and I are coming back from vacation. We're just having a great time We're talking and I don't normally go this way. We just decided to go through trinity Texas because we don't go through trinity very often so we're coming through Trinity, and I was paying attention. I saw it went down to 40. We're talking. We've had a great vacation. It's awesome. And then all of a sudden, I noticed one of these law enforcers flying up behind me. I went, oh, no. Pulls me over. I mean, it's daylight, and there's traffic coming through. Before he ever gets out of the car or comes up to me, he goes, yeah, you know, he does the little, I don't know what they say, but he was like, he calls in my license plate number, and I looked at Jane and I said, this can't be good. And they say yes, and we actually hear the radio come back, and it belongs to Doug Washburn, and there are no outstanding warrants. And I'm going, yes, because <laughs> you don't know whether I have outstanding warrants or not. So he comes up, and, and he says, know why I pulled you over? And I, wasn't being a, I really wasn't being a smart aleck. I said, sir, I'm going to assume that I was speeding. Yep. And I, I think I was doing 38 and a 30 or something like that. And so he said, he said, it happens all the time. Did you see that where it went from 40? Because I knew I was in the 40 mile per hour when he pulled me over, but in downtown Trinity is 30. He said, did you see our 30 mile per hour speed limit? I said, no, sir, I, I didn't see it. And I'm I'm fully expecting to get the citation, right? And he goes, well, you got a good attitude, so I'm not going to write you a check. And I said, well, thank you very much. <laughs> and so I don't know why, but I said, I should have a good attitude. I'm a pastor. Well, then we just you're a pastor where and we started talking and had this great talk What church you go to? Well, I go to this church We just had this great talk and he said he goes attitudes everything with me. You got a good attitude I'm not going to give you a citation and I was like bless the lord But I going to tell you something the next time I went through four weeks later I went through trinity texas I know exactly where that 30 mile per hour speed limit sign is because I don't want this law enforcer announcing that I'm a lawbreaker, right makes sense now let's say that He wrote me the ticket if y'all ever watch texas law. You need to watch texas law. It's it's game wardens in texas It's awesome. We love watching this One of the things they do is when they write their citations, they're, they're, they seem to be nice guys I don't think they're playing it up for the camera. They're nice guys But if you have a bad attitude, they'll write you a citation and at the bottom It'll say we need you to sign this. It's not an admission of guilt It's just saying you will contact the judge now when you contact the judge the judge will say ha you've broken one of our laws and you owe us this amount of money, right? And you will pay it or if you don't you're eventually going to jail or so I've heard now We understand when an authority says you've broken our law and you owe us this much This is the fine if it's a class c misdemeanor if it's class a felon, whatever We understand there there are consequences to pay. We owe them The same thing happens in relationships all the time. Somebody violates your trust you owe me At least an apology you may owe me a track record That you're going to be an honest person if your spouse does something to hurt you You owe me something Some of you feel like your parents owe you for not being around when you were young Maybe they owe you a childhood Maybe your dad violated the laws of a dad and he owes you To have been at your games Maybe you think he owes you an education. Maybe you think he owes you a car. I don't know He owes you something. We've all broken someone's laws. We've all broken our own laws We've all broken god's laws So we're lawbreakers and we understand this idea of debt debtor relationship and we cannot repay So in the new testament we get to the new covenant new testament actually means new covenant And here's what the new covenant is To redeem jesus was born of a woman born under the law to redeem that's a you know what it is to redeem a coupon That's to buy back that's to use Uh pay off the debt or whatever of one who could not pay And no other religion No other religion I triple dog dare you To find a religion where the founder of that religion says They can't pay so i'm going to step in and pay it for them The christianity is the only one where that exists. That's why i'm a follower of christ He came to redeem those you and me under the law Jesus death paid the price that that we couldn't pay now somebody might ask why can't we repay? y'all y'all ever seen the movie click where adam sandler has the remote control and he can rewind stuff I guarantee if I'd had one of those remotes, I would have Three minutes back and I would have come into trinity and gone 30 miles per hour because I don't want the guy telling everybody i'm a lawbreaker Anybody have one of those only happens in hollywood, right? You can't go back and undo the violation You can't you can't be the father that you wanted to be You can't be the teenager that you think your parents deserve. You can't go back and do that You can't go back and restore trust that 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 you violated you can't undo the act And so in this situation god says i'm going to redeem you Even though you owe this tremendous debt you can't pay you can't go back and unsin God says i'm going to redeem you and redeem is a legal term So it's like we're in a courtroom and god is the judge and you are the defendant And god says i'm going to pay the debt on your behalf So it'd, so it'd be like if the judge said to me. Well, you can't afford it I'm going to pay it," and I would be blown away by that. So would you Jesus was born under the law born of a woman so that he could redeem you pay your debt That's act one and christianity is the only religion that has it. It's phenomenal But that's only act one and act two is even better To redeem those under the law that we might receive. What's that word I've got highlighted? Adoption to sonship. Now, this was written in a male-dominated society, but it means sonship or daughterhood. Sons and daughters. We're more... Here's the message of Christmas. We're more than forgiven. We're adopted. Adoption speaks of relationships. So so the judge... Let's say that I got the, the citation when I was speeding, and I go see the judge... And the judge said, not only am I going to forgive your ticket, I'm going to invite you to come home with me. See, see, I don't think that that policeman has any idea what my name is now. I think he probably went to church on Sunday and said, you preachers are all like, your are speed, nah, nah, you know, probably something like that. He probably remembers that he pulled up, but he doesn't. He forgave my violation, and he doesn't even know my name. You can do that with forgiveness. You can forgive somebody you don't even know. But what if the judge or what if that police officer said, hey, Doug, why don't you come home and live with me? I'm going to give you a room. I'm going to give you a key to my house. That speaks of relationship, right? Christianity is not just forgiveness. It's relationship. God wanted a relationship with you, so he offered to adopt you. Now, this I did not know till this week. Adoption in first century rome was very different than we think of adoption. We think of adoption as babies, right? and and so we adopt a baby and and They didn't think of it that way Nobody in first century rome would adopt a baby because baby's survival rate was so poor Nobody would adopt a toddler because you don't know how that toddler is going to turn out And so in roman society the wealthy and powerful people would look around and they would adopt adults why? Because they looked at their own children, the wealthy people, and said, I ain't leaving it to them. Sorry, individuals. And so they would write out their will, and they would find somebody who would carry on their legacy, adults who were, who were of good character and they could trust, and they would adopt them. You ever heard of Julius Caesar? When he died, when he was murdered, they read his will, and Julius adopted his grandnephew. Didn't have any of his own children. He wanted to leave his stuff to adopted his grandnephew um, named Octavian Octavian um, Inherited all of caesar's titles all of his money all of his land everything talk about a merry christmas You went from nothing to, to caesar's child That's just incredible Octavian went on to be known as caesar Augustus you ever heard of him? He was the emperor when jesus was born Caesar augustus called a census Everyone had to return to his own hometown to be counted Augustus means the exalted one So the senate said oh, you're going to be our first emperor. We're going to call you exalted Gave him caesar from julius caesar caesar augustus And it was about this time if you know roman history that they began to say caesar is lord So a few years later, when Jesus comes on the the scene and they start saying, Jesus is Lord, the the religious leader said, oh, he's a threat to Rome because he's calling himself a king. You see how all of this is intertwined? Tiberius, uh, Augustus doesn't have children of his own, and so he adopts, um, he becomes the next, um, he's the next emperor, and so he adopts Tiberius, the, the son of his wife's Wife from a former marriage. Let me see if I can get all that out again Tiberius wasn't his son He married a woman who had a son named tiberius and when when caesar augustus dies in his will It says I adopt tiberius who was 40 at the time that he was adopted now. This was weird too because um, augustus also adopted his wife who was tiberius's mom and so that would be like after my will, they read my will and, and Caleb, Rachel, and Hannah, you have a sister and it's your mom. Because he wanted to make sure that she could be co-regent and, and reign with, this is just bizarre, but it's the way they did it. It's how they viewed adoption. And by the way, if you're rich and, and you don't trust your kids, I'm totally up for adoption. The word Paul used here, means that God looks at us as adults, not as babies, not as toddlers. He looks at us as adults and says, I choose you to be a part of my family. With all your sins, all your mistakes, all your failures, he knows all about that, and he still chooses you. No Roman would have adopted any of us because we don't qualify, right? But Paul is telling us God knows it all, and he still wants to be your heavenly father. With all the promises we've broken, with all the laws we've broken, he still wants us. By the way, if you're not a christian the offer still stands The the people in galatia read this letter and they went God wants to adopt us. It's more than forgiveness. It's adoption and it was good news And they passed this letter around to everybody. It's good news. The heavenly father wants to adopt us See it's so much more than forgiving a debt God wants to make you a son or a daughter Next verse because you are his sons if you've accepted his offer and daughters God sent the Spirit, Holy Spirit, of His Son into our hearts. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit are all in this verse right here. God sent the Holy Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out Abba, Father. None of us here can trace our lineage back to Father Abraham, the one who started the the whole Jewish race, the Jewish nation. None of us can do that, but it's not a blood relationship. It's a relationship by the holy spirit So when you accept god's offer to forgive you and adopt you The holy spirit takes up residence inside you and that holy spirit connects you to the whole, to the father and says Abba father now this word is interesting. Abba is an aramaic word. That means daddy daddy I, I mentioned earlier the new testament was written in Koine greek when they were writing this down, there was no equivalent word for Abba. The closest Greek word was father. When, when my sister was in high school, she had a best friend, and uh, I would sometimes, sis was seven years older than me, and sometimes I would ride around with my sister, and we'd go by this friend's house. Well, the parents were referred to as Father Smith and Mother Smith. The children talked to Addressed him that way and then everybody who came in so hey, Doug This is father Smith and mother Smith and you know, I'm like that's weird But when you went in their house, um father father Smith, may I have something to drink? You know, it was very prim and proper and I was so grateful that my parents did that. Yo, dad Right the only time I've ever heard Caleb call me father is when he's being a smart aleck and he wants something Hey father, what do you want? Right? right? It's, it's, it's not the term. This meant daddy, and there was no Greek equivalent, so they left in the Aramaic, Abba, and then so that everybody would understand, they put in the Greek father, so that when you read it, you understood God wants to be your dad. Jesus used this term in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, and he was the first one in history to address God this way, when he said, dad, If there's any way, if I don't have to go to the cross, if there's another way, please let there be another way, Dad. And then he said, not my will, but your will be done. And when the disciples in the garden heard him address God the Father as Dad, it was astonishing. So when Paul thinks about the first Christmas, the significance of it is God sent Jesus because he wants to be your dad. Now I get this email from israel uh, It's a tour company that that wants you to come to israel and it's interesting to me I love to read the history and and so I get this this um, email all the time and, and go ahead and put that up there if you would I think it's next the the g Yeah So when when he's writing about the history of israel and he comes to the term god He always spells it g Dash d because he's so afraid of offending god of taking his name in vain. He won't even type it out The jewish people wouldn't say the name of god. They wouldn't type they wouldn't write the name of god So here we are in 2020 and I get this email Once a month sometimes twice a month and every sentence that has god in it. I mean the whole paragraph is G-D. That's religion That's old covenant because right here it says Jesus came on Christmas to pay your debt so that you could call God dad. And I remember, I remember the first time Caleb called me dad. And that was awesome. And then I had two girls, and when they called me daddy, there was a book I read when, when the girls, well, when Rachel was born, and, and then I remembered it when Hannah was born. It says, she calls me daddy. And it was about the impact that a dad can have in his, his daughter's life. That was pretty powerful. That's the term Paul's using, is we get to call God daddy. How many of you heard the word taco? Do you know that's not an English word? If you were just a guess, where would you think it's from? Before Mexico. Spain. All right, there we go. Spanish. Taco means this savory fried shell filled with ground beef and cheese and lettuce and tomatoes and onions and salsa. But that took too long to say. So we adopted the term taco. Aren't you glad? Can you imagine savory fried shell filled with ground beef and cheese and and meat and, and tomatoes and lettuce and onions and salsa Tuesday? That's too long. So we say, Taco Tuesday. It's the same idea with this word Abba. They didn't know what it meant until Jesus used it, until Paul says, we get to call him not G-D because we don't want to offend you, holy God. We get to call you Daddy because you paid the debt and you adopted us. Verse 7. So you're no longer a slave but God's child. Since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. If you're a slave, you have to follow the rules. Follow the rules or else. Beatings or death, that's the way the slave system worked. You better follow. Slaves are people who are under religion. Slaves, no offense to, to this email I get, slaves refer to God as G-G. D, not as daddy. But since you aren't a slave because you've been redeemed, we go back to the courtroom and the judge is your daddy. And your Savior has told you how you get it's not your honor, it's daddy. So here's the significance of the Christmas story. Number one, you no longer relate to God as lawgiver. But as father, I should have put daddy. We've established without a doubt you're a lawbreaker. But you're not looking at the lawgiver. You're looking at your dad. You no longer relate to God based on what you've done. And aren't you glad? But who you are, his child. God sent Jesus so that you could be adopted. God's not interested in adopting you as a baby. He's not interested in adopting you as a toddler. He's interested in adopting you as someone who fully understands I have sinned and I have fallen short of the glory of God. How do you think a child feels when they're adopted? I was texting Matt yesterday, just asking him about adoption. And I said, hey, tell me when you you really began to understand. He said he's always known it was an open adoption when he was a baby. He's always known he was adopted, but I said, when did you really feel special in your parents' eyes? And he says about seven or eight. He said he just realized Willard and Susan chose him, and it made him feel special. Your heavenly father's chosen you. Not as a baby. As a sin-stained slave. Slave. So this is what I want you to get How much how much are you worth to god christmas That's the next slide No Should be a christmas one in there Before we read there you go You're worth christmas, so let's go back and read these verses with all of that in mind galatians 4 4 through 7 But when the time when the set time god's set time had fully come he knew the day God sent forth his son born of a woman born not from an earthly father born of a woman fully god born under the law because all of us are born under the law He he was the law keeper to redeem those under the law that you and me that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters Because you are his sons and daughters for those who have accepted his offer of adoption God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts the spirit who calls out abba father father So you're no longer a slave but god's child and since you are his child god has made you also an heir Some of you in here have not agreed to your adoption from god The offer still stands And here's why this is a big deal Because there's only two options for a spiritual father according to scripture You're either a child of what we call the the go ahead next one Who's your daddy? You're either a child of the forgiver and the adopter or you're a child of the accuser, the enemy of God. The Bible says that he accuses God's people night and day. If he accuses God's people night and day, what do you think he does to people who aren't in the family? He does everything to keep them out of the family. You got two options. Either God's your adopter and you're a forgiver Or Jesus said, your father is the devil, the accuser. So I want to show you a prayer. This is is how you can be adopted today. God, I'm leaving this life of slavery to sin and shame. I want to accept your offer of adoption. I recognize that I'm a sinner. I've broken your laws. Would you forgive my sins and adopt me as your child and be the leader of my life? These words mean nothing if your heart's not in it. I could give you a recipe and say, hey, read this. It means nothing. I could give you a phone book. Some of y'all don't even know what that is. And you could read through it. It would mean nothing. These words only have meaning if your heart, if you say, God, I need to be adopted spiritually. Because I recognize I'm a lawbreaker. I recognize I've, I've got no shot to make it into heaven apart from somebody redeeming me. You pray that prayer from the heart. Today, it's, the scripture says, the angels in heaven rejoice every time one sinner is adopted. Let's pray together. God, I thank you that uh, Chuck and Bess Washburn cared enough about us spiritually take us to church when i was a baby to to pay for us to go to camps got us involved in all kinds of church activities because they believed that one day they would leave us and they would go be with you and they knew that if we were going to be with you we had to be adopted as well thank you for my spiritual heritage God, if there's somebody in here who doesn't know you as their dad, I pray today would be the day. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.